What's up, folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC, the Sports Courier Podcast. We're not just talking about sports today. We are talking about gaming. This is the TSC Gaming Year in Review show, and I have with me my main man, Julian Excalibur, a.k.a. Julian Cannon of Alternative Minds. If you don't know who Julian is, not only is he a guy that's a keen observer of pro wrestling, but of the video game scene as well, The Walking Dead, the convention scene. If you want to know anything about The Walking Dead, trust me, this is your guy. Negan Jeffrey Dean Morgan even knows him by name. Okay, He's kind of a big deal, and he's here to talk about the year in gaming, the best and worst, as well as what he's done throughout 2018 going into the new year. Julian, what's going on, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show today. So, Julian, 2018 in gaming has been quite interesting. We've seen some great games, some great news come about, and we've seen some absolutely god-awful things. I don't know where you want to start here. Do you want to start on a positive note and then get into all the crap? What, what do you want to do? Let's start on a positive because uh, the negative crap could come in about another five to ten minutes. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you first, what, in your opinion, was the best game of 2018 that you played? And what are some other games that deserve some love? Monster Hunter World is going to be the best of this year. A very good open world game, which is an adult version of Pokemon. Another great game this year was Red Dead Redemption 2, even though I'm about 20% into it. You and me both. Uh, <laughs> did you get how many side quests did you do first uh you know i i actually didn't do a whole lot i did uh, i got up to like chapter three or four i did like a first impressions video on it and then i was like holy crap this game is so big and then i did an online like thing for a little bit and that was kind of fun but i, I just have so many i have this bad habit i don't know if other gamers like you have this habit i'll have some disposable income i'll say huh these games are on sale i'll buy them i'll play them at some point <laughs> and then before you know it you're like oh my god i have spider-man to play and god of war to play and Mario, and this and that, and so I haven't been able to get back to it, but uh, at some point, I will before this year's up. I haven't got a God of War yet, but I saw a lot of the rave reviews about it. Did you love it as the review set? Yeah, so far so good. Uh, I actually, full disclosure, never played any of the games in the God of War series until God of War 3 Remastered when it was discounted for like 5 bucks. I bought it on PS4, and I love that game. It was really good, and then playing this one so far, a few hours in, just re- really much like a lot of the other Sony games like Horizon Zero Dawn and Uncharted 4. Yeah. Just a well-made, high-quality game. Combat's pretty badass. I also like the difficulty levels because mm. this is real. you know, it's action, but it's also story-rich. So you can actually set it to the point where if you want to just have casual combat and play mostly a story, you could do that. And they have like their own version of Nightmare War, which is straight up called God of War. So yeah, if you haven't played God of War, I'd recommend it. It's probably around for like 40, 30 bucks somewhere. I know even Gamefly had it used. Actually, I picked it up at a Gamefly sale, believe it or not. They had a used game sale. Was <laughs> Did like you 12- give it back? <laughs> no, no, it was like 12 bucks used. I was like, hey, I'll, I'll get it. Why not? Get the physical disc and uh, no, no, complaints, uh, no complaints there. I- I'll tell you one game that I just finished that I told you off air is the best and worst game of all time. Pokemon, uh, tell me. let's go. My God. I haven't played Pokemon in years. This is essentially a remake of the original Red, Yellow, and Blue. Red, Te- Yellow, and Blue. Technically, it's closer to Pokemon Yellow because you have a companion and you get the original three starting Pokemon of Bulbasaur, Charmander, and uh, Squirtle at some point. But, my God, the game is addicting. Very family-friendly. It's great for all ages. It brought back a lot of memories I had with my sister playing the game and my family. Uh, it also brought back memories of how the, the 
franchise ruined my life, spending all the money <laughs> on Pokemon cards and games and all the time. You know, thankfully, when Pokemon came out, I was in like elementary school, the early days in middle school. So it, I could afford to, quote unquote, waste that time. Now as an adult, it's, it's a little bit harder. But it's a good thing. The great thing is it's portable. So as a commuter, much like you throughout the city, you know, I'm, I'm able to play it here and there. And eventually I finished. I got to the point where I was like, my God, I, I got to beat this game or it's going to ruin my life. Yeah, I beat it. Put in like 24, 25 hours time. I have not caught Mewtwo yet. I've not found Mew. Uh, it's been a, like I said, it's been a long time. I gotta find all the old Easter eggs, but it is a great throwback to the original Pokemon games. That being said, for better or worse, there's no company better at repurposing content and selling it back to you than Nintendo. <laughs> no other company could do it unless your name is Xbox. But PlayStation, on the other hand, had their PlayStation Classic, but we'll get to that in a bit. But for Pokemon Let's Go, did you know that you could use the Pokemon from Pokemon Go in that game? I did. I played Pokemon Go for a cup of coffee, and then it was kind of the same thing. I thought, man, if I keep playing this on my phone, I'm never going to get any work done. So uh, I, I tapped out to that. But if you haven't played the game, if you have a Switch, or you know, if you're one of those people that, for whatever reason, Pokemon was not in your life at one point, play it. You may regret it, but for the most part... It is a great experience. Uh, before we get to some of the negative, and you wrote a great article on the worst of gaming in 2018 on Alternative Minds. Anything else uh, you want to talk about as far as positives of, of this year? Any other games, developers you want to shout out? Uh, Marvel Spider-Man. That game is amazing. Holy hell. I've not seen that much that much of an open-world game in a while other than Re- that Redemption. <laughs> oh, that's How far did you get in that game? Yeah, you be- have- beautiful game. You could tell it was a real labor of love for insomniac who developed the game and yeah the, another this is the thing with ps4 exclusives and xbox exclusives too and it, you know you know what forget it all the exclusives for their respective consoles for the most part are all really good like you could tell that there was just a lot of work put in i remember i played gears of war 4 a couple years ago and just you know it's one thing to play a big budget game that you know a lot of money was put in, but there's not a whole lot of substance, just some sizzle. It's another thing when you play, like, Spider-Man. Like, there is sizzle, but there's some stake in that game as well. And the voiceovers are great. The graphics look awesome. The, the controls are just so smooth. I mean, really, like, we, we talk about, like, games that are open world that you go anywhere. I mean, Spider-Man's like that. And on top of that, too, I feel like it did Assassin's Creed better than Assassin's Creed. <laughs> well, that was the best Assassin's Creed game we've seen this year in, like, how many years? Ten? Yeah, quite, almost 11? Yeah, quite some time. Honestly, I heard it was pretty good, too. I haven't had a chance to play that. I used some self-control. Uh, I was going to buy it, but I'm like, nah, I, I ain't going to have time to play this right now. So, all right, we got, we got to th- some of the positives. There were some negatives, though. And I'm going to give the floor to you because you just wrote an article about it. First off, PlayStation Classic, why did they release that? Because they wanted to come up with the idea that Nintendo did a few years back and say, oh, we're going to have a classic console, but have all the games, well, most of the games on the PAL version, and about 10 or 9 of them was the English version. And where's Crash on the PlayStation Classic? Where's also the other Final Fantasy titles? Where is some of the great titles like Spyro? We've seen none of that also, along with Tomb Raider and Castlevania. Where where did they go, Fred? Can you tell me? I, I don't I don't know. I actually heard that there was a way to like hack it to get those <laughs> games. But you know what really actually turned me off about the PlayStation Classic? I was excited, like a lot of people. You know, yeah, you could get the emulators. Yeah, you could download the ROMs. I know we're not supposed to talk about that, but everybody knows you can get them somehow, some way. But when I read 
that Sony actually, I think, I hope I'm using the terminology correctly, licensed the original PlayStation emulator from the same company that they tried to sue and send cease and desist letters to and whatnot. That turned me off. I was like, well, wait. So you're repurposing. You talk about repurposing, bro. They're repurposing an emulator <laughs> that most people could get for free and you could argue the legalities one way or the other. But you're essentially selling me an emulator that's an open source for years. And on top of that, you don't include all the games? Like, yeah, that, that, that was a big turnoff for me. And we also found out that there's going to be a lot more games that was going to be added on the leak list, but it was all taken out maybe during the last steps of development. Well, development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the last part of the, the, the money grab. And, and speaking of money grab, and I don't, I don't want to totally hate on Bethesda here. And the developers. I think of, we have to of, for the for Fallout seventy six. I don't because if you really look at it, their track record with games has been pretty good in recent years. The Dishonored series has been great. Fallout four, uh, I thought it was a great game, but at the same time, also thought much like Pokemon, Fallout four can ruin your life and waste a lot of time, <laughs> and actually a lot more than Pokemon. Because you know, I remember I spent two hours crafting. And crafting and crafting, and it got to the point where I'm like, "What am I doing with my life?" And I had to I had to quit the game because <laughs> it, it was just crafting so damn much. It was so fun, but Fallout 76 is kind of the opposite of Fallout 4. Just rushed an all oh online version of Fallout 76, from what I understand. And you, I think you had a chance to play the game. No non playable characters, which makes it kind of weird. And uh, yeah, needless to say, I'll, I'll let you take the floor here. But the feedback hasn't been great. It's not been great. In fact, it's not been great ever since the previews back at E3, which was also a crap show too. But more about E3 in a second since we're on the topic of Fallout 76. Did you play a single minute of that game? Because it's still buggy to this day and it's still crashing on a lot of players that I know that is currently playing it. No, I didn't. I was inclined to pick it up on sale for like $29.99 on Black Friday. But then I, I read the same thing. There were a lot of bugs. People were complaining about it. I said, you know what? I can hold off on this one. <laughs> I love a game-breaking glitch where you have to destroy a few nukes that could cause a server crash. I read about that a few weeks ago, too, before... I think it was a few days before Thanksgiving when that happened. Ugh. And then, I'm looking at your article right here. One of the interesting things you mentioned uh, at the end of, of it was the money grab from Konami to release Metal Gear Survive, which had nothing to do with Hideo Kojima, <laughs> which was immediately discounted once it came out. <laughs> I knew that game was going to fail as a rival, man. DOA, as they call it. And what do we got earlier this year? A crap game of the Metal Gear name. One of the worst reviewed Metal Gear games in a long time. And it showed because they added in microtransactions a few months later. So they wanted their money back, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that that was pretty bad. Now, you included EA on here. And I'm not going to sum up your, your part here. You could do that for yourself. But I actually think EA didn't have that bad of a year as far as quality goes. I mean, Battlefield Five, I'm absolutely terrible at it, by the way. I'm the wrong person to ask uh, for tips on Battlefield. But I thought it was a, a pretty damn good game. I think EA Access, EA Access Origin have been pretty good value propositions. Uh, I do think they could have done a better job with Madden, even though I'm a admitted Madden addict. Uh, I really like the addition of Champions League to FIFA 19. I thought EA Sports UFC 3, well, what wasn't too bad. And then you also have EAHL 19, which I'm currently playing. That's a lot of fun. Why was it a bad year for EA? Why did they belong on your worst of 2018 list? 
It's mostly the business practices. They are still on their out-of-touch ways with microtransactions, loot crates, and we saw a prime example of that, of their whole E3 2018 presentation. I'm not sure if you remember, but they opened a presentation of, well, I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase here. They opened it with, we are for the fans, but yet they go right into money for 10 straight minutes. <laughs> Yeah, we're well, for the fans, all right. But well, we're going to well, continue you, taking hey, money. Let me correct you there. You mentioned E3. EA is actually not a part of E3 anymore. They have their own deal called EA Play. So yeah, let's see how many people will watch that. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I mean, look, uh, you know, some other companies are breaking away from from E3 as well. I think Sony, I don't think is going to be a part of E3 next year. No, Sony's not going to be there next yeah. year, which is a huge shock because they've been there since the beginning, back in the early '90s. They're the ones that capitalized on the whole thing. I remember when I think I'm paraphrasing here, but there was I think that when Sega released the Saturn, like they decided to release it immediately oh, at E3. Give me flashbacks. Yeah, they, they had they had like they said like it's gonna be four ninety nine or whatever. Or I think I think four nine or three ninety nine, and then I think the only thing one of the Sony executives said after they showed a trailer for a PlayStation was two ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a classic. That, that had me dying laughing, man. He did not have a prepared speech at all. Yeah, he didn't need to. Sega gave him all the material, and <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, you know, all these years later, and Sony's breaking away. I was at E3 this year, and Sony was a huge part of it. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. They had a huge stage. They they had a, a great panel uh, with the Days Gone team and the Assassin's Creed team. Like they really brought their A game. So hold on for a sec. Were you at the place, the Sony area this year? Yeah, I was at there most Which of the time. Which when they had their presentation? They had several presentations. Like, they had, like, the PlayStation Live deal going on. And, yes, that's what I'm talking yeah. about, the PlayStation Live. Yeah, yeah, I was there. How cramped was it in that room to go from one room to another? Because that did not look good on TV. You know you know what? Uh, the Sony area wasn't too bad. It was more open. I mean, as far as setting up a camera, it was kind of a pain. You know, you had to be a little bit careful. Honestly, it was way more packed, like, in between. Like, it, it was packed, but not as much as, like, if you're walking, like, because right across from it was the Destiny 2 Forsaken area, plus Call of Duty, like, the whole Activision deal. And then all the way down to the right was the Nintendo section. So that was crazy. I mean, getting around took forever. I'll say this, the convention center itself is pretty big. So you're able to move around here and there, but... Yeah, there were some times where it would get bottlenecked, where it would get overwhelming. Me personally, I avoided like the Fallout line, anything with like a big line. I really try to avoid, but it, it can't be unavoidable sometimes, especially during the Smash Brothers tournament and everything. So, yeah, I mean, the PlayStation it was kind of an open space, uh, but I didn't really feel claustrophobic there. It was more kind of getting in and around like the, the hallways, the creases. That that was a little nuts. Oh, good thing you didn't show up to the panel because that's exactly what happened. It started off with a music performance and they told them that they want to do this experience for the fans. So after the music performance, they told all the fans that were sitting down in that one conference room to get up and go to the conference room that's next to them to continue the PlayStation experience presentation. And that's when they showed, started showing their games. So yeah, <laughs> like like continue pack continue packaging all those zombies into one room to another. You you watch The Walking Dead. You've seen how that goes. Oh god, yeah. And, and now they talk. It's even it's even creepier. <laughs> yeah, more of that later. Yeah, well let's let's talk about Telltale Games, the the big shutdown. Telltale Games, for those that don't know, has been maybe the, the top developer and publisher when it comes to narrative games, story driven games, making choices that dictate the outcome of the story. 
some of the quality is is a hit or miss, but for the most part, they've had a, a number of hits. I mean, the Walking Dead series has probably been their flagship. I personally also love the uh, Game of Thrones, the Wolf Among Us, uh, among other titles they've created. And they practically shut down this year. They still exist in name, but for the most part, a majority of their staff's laid off. A majority of their staff, probably all their staff, is not getting any money from the games that are still out there. A lot of their games have actually been delisted, from what I understand, from the Xbox Store, from PlayStation Store, from Steam. And they were in the middle of finishing the Walking Dead series, the final season. They brought in some people from Skybound yeah. Entertainment, which is part of, I guess, the, the, the owners of the Walking Dead content with uh, Robert Kirkman to help wrap things up. But for the most part, Telltale Games is dead as we know it, and it's just... I don't, I don't know. It's really unfortunate how, how, how it happened, right? I mean, it, with all these layoffs and everything, the people that probably should go who are at the top are usually the last ones to go or they go down with the ship. And it's just it's unfortunate to see all these people lose their jobs, especially right around the holiday time. And uh, I got to say, man, I'm not terribly inclined to purchase the final season of The Walking Dead, knowing that the people that had a real hand in creating it uh, won't be there to reap the benefits. What are your thoughts on... This whole telltale mess. Oh, the whole! As soon as the mess started, I had to get in contact with one of the developers who I had a little connection with. That's what. That's why I linked that interview in that article. I also think that not only that this is a huge mess, but why would they do this out of nowhere? Like a lot of the employees that used to work there were caught off guard by this. A lot of them had a day off and found out about the news. A lot of them didn't know the news until they saw it on the internet. I also think that this is also Telltale's own fault for trying to get a lot of IPs, or in this case, intellectual properties, instead of making their own games. They focus on gathering way too much money for way too much of these companies instead of, hey, how can we improve our engine? How can we start our own game? They didn't focus on a lot of that, which I find baffling because we also heard in interviews years before that they was going to make their own game. They're going to have their own IP, but we have not seen any of that yet. And the fact that they did this while the Walking Dead game was still in development also stifled me too because the the last season of the game is this year, and it's going to finish up, I believe, in February or March. So a lot of people also pay for that which means a lot of them couldn't get refunds about that too. Do you, do you hear anybody on your side that got refunds from it? No. No? No. I, heard about, I mean, I, mean you, I guess you could reach out to Steam. They have the refund policy, but that's only for like a, you know, an X amount of time. But yeah, it's a, it's really, it's really unfortunate. Actually, you know, what's sad. I, I kind of feel like it, when it comes to story driven games, even with the biggest company, you know, sometimes if you're dealing with the company, that's kind of independent, quote unquote, you, you you get burned. You know what I mean? If you're waiting for new episodes. I mean, other than, you know, like Life is Strange and Don't Not Entertainment Square Enix, they're really good with that stuff. Uh, you know, Focus Home Interactive isn't good with that stuff with the council. But you look at it. I, I'll tell you one one game series I played, uh, Blues and Bullets, which was had kind of like a weird spinoff uh, of The Untouchables with Elliot Ness and Al Capone. Great, great game series. And there were like two episodes. It's been three, four years. I, I paid for a season pass. Never saw a third episode. Never saw a fourth episode. Company just couldn't afford to fund it. 
Oh, right? th- this is why I never buy season passes in games. You'll have one or a few a bit of content. The next thing you know, the season pass and a company bells, bell, bellies up. And then next thing you know, you get, get your cash back. Yeah, no, it's, it's rough. And I'll, I'll say this, no pun intended. I think Telltale Games' demise really is a telltale sign for a lot of companies, especially for companies that aren't linked with big publishers, don't have the oversight right. of, a, of a Microsoft, which seems to acquire every game company every year or, or, or Sony. Like, you got to know your limits. And I, I think it's a, it's a big wake-up call. I mean, at some point, I think the game industry has to have a reckoning. You know, you hear about mm-hmm. developers being burnt out and uh, all these layoffs and the lack of appreciation by some companies for their work. I mean, you know, we're lucky we haven't had cases of people, you know, uh, having drug problems or alcohol problems. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do. I don't know. But if you've, you're in that kind of stressful environment and you have no union and no protection from stuff like this, I mean, it's, it's only going to get worse. I mean, do you think in 2019 we will finally see some type of game developers union? No, I do not. <laughs> too many, just like a wrestlers union, too many people are the big stars with crack addict first, and many many de- game developers are also there as freelancers, so they can't get it either. Yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's the industry. Same thing with like journalists. Sometimes it's like, hey, you're a freelancer, uh, you know, like, but it, it's not like somebody wants to freelance. They'd love to be staffed, but yeah, it's the nature. This nature of the beast. I mean, hopefully one day it'll 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 certainly get better. As far as the convention scene goes, you and I both got a chance to attend some of the biggest conventions across the country. Oh, yeah. I got to attend E3 for the first time. Holy doodle squat was that overwhelming, but an incredible experience. <laughs> I, I would you do s- it again? <laughs> I w- yeah, I would. Um, I-, I would do it. I really liked LA. A little slow for my liking, though, compared to New York. Like, really slow. You know, not, not saying not in a bad way. It's just like people are more chill there, whereas New York, it's like, go, 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 go. And. You know, you're waiting in line. The sun's beating down on you. I know it's first world problems, but still, you're just kind of like, okay, wait, can you check my press pass already? But uh, yeah, it was a good time. And a lot of people were really nice. I got to say, most, pretty much all the game companies were really hospitable. I don't think I met anybody that was a tool or anything like that. Everybody was very nice, very welcoming, very fan friendly, very media friendly. Uh, Focus Home Interactive was super nice. And I, I got to interview a lot of their developers and their their production team and they they were super cool. One of them hooked me up with with Vampire, which was pretty awesome. Uh, it was just a good time had by all. But my goodness, it was overwhelming. I was beat up afterwards. Uh, you and I could both talk about this. When you do an event, people don't realize this. As a fan, when you go to these conventions, especially if you do the all three four days, it is rough. You got you're gonna have a lot oh, yeah. of fun, but you're gonna be worn out. You have to stay hydrated. You have to eat. You have to get some sleep. When you're Going there, and you got to find some way to get food inside the convention center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You see, unless you want to eat the crap ripoff stuff, which got me sick there. And <laughs> Javits Center. <laughs> yeah, and, and then when you, when you're at media, and you're like us, we're we're one man man bands for the most part. I had some help at E3. I had some help in in Comic Con this year, but you know you know me for the most part. We're we're going in it alone for the most. You know we have our camera, we have our mic, we're doing our thing. Whew, you gotta you gotta make space. You gotta go through fans and say excuse me, or maybe don't say excuse me. Squeeze through. I mean, it's it can be rough. Again, it's a great gig. It's awesome to, that we get to do this. But fan or media, y'all gotta be prepared. Definitely gotta be hydrated. But I had a great E3 experience. New York Comic Con here, right in our neck of the woods. That was awesome, and that was freaking packed as well. But I, I will say this: I think it was a lot more organized this year than, than it has been in, in previous years. Now you're somebody that. Went to even more conventions than me this year because you didn't just go to Comic Con. 
Okay, you, I don't think you got a chance to go to E3, but you did go to C2E2. You went yes. to San Diego Comic Con. You went yep. to, I think you went to Walker Stalker Con. You, you went to, if there was a con in like Sturgis, South Dakota, you were probably there, man. I mean, you, I, feel like, I feel like you were freaking everywhere. What can you tell us about what you witnessed on the con scene in 2018? Uh, this year, I started my convention scene at C2E2. Me and uh, me and my girlfriend went over there. She helped me cover it. I interviewed a lot of people over there, including the actress and the actors that played in the Scooby-Doo movie that came out this year. It was Daphne and Velma. They were pretty damn great over there. And also, I would like to say the pizza over there in Chicago is awesome. I don't. I know you're from New Jersey, and you're probably going to think different, but it's freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, I also noticed that it was a little uh, chill atmosphere at C2E2. You have to co- go there one day and cover it because it's very good. It's New York Comic Con light over there from what I compare it to. In fact, when I, me and my girlfriend was at a panel for Batista and the guys from the Guardians of the Galaxy, one fan, one of the fans brought up the topic of Chris Benoit, and Batista didn't dodge it outright, but he did answer it, but it brought the mood down a bit. So we were all shaking our heads once that happened. Shake our heads once that happened. But overall, C2E2 was great. Uh, Wizard World was in, Wizard World was next. I believe I was in Philadelphia. Yes, that was Philadelphia. It was all, awesome there too to see the Cast's Justice League dance on stage. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little space out there also. It's in a Pennsylvania Convention Center. I'm not sure if you ever been in a Pennsylvania Convention Center. Have you? I think I have at some. I'm sure I have at some point. Yeah. That one was that one was good. Uh, it was also a little more spaced out because the. The convention center had to be rebuilt over there, or re-renovated. So they had to block off a few areas. Uh, let me think for a second. After that, I I believe I was in San Diego. After that, yep, that's right. How, San how Diego was San Diego? Com- that was like the big Kahuna. Dude, you you see how big the convention center is at uh, Javits, do you? Yeah. Yeah, it has nothing on San Diego. Really? It's, tri- it's San Diego is triple that size, from one block to another. It'll take you about 15 minutes to walk there, even when where there's no crowd, because I did that on my first day there. I was there earlier that day just to prepare and everything. And I told myself, how about I walk from one side of the convention center to another? It took me a whole 15 minutes. No joke. But the convention center was that large. You've seen the photos I posted of San Diego. I also love seeing the palm trees. <laughs> it was clear sky out there. I went to a few of the red carpet events along with the press the press conferences that featured The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, uh, YouTube's Impulse and the Origin series, along with Mr. Mercedes. I've interviewed a lot of the cast members, and that was very cool. And I still miss Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> yeah. and before I let you go, too, where can fans find you online, and what have you got going on? Well, right now I just wrote up an entire review of the Aquaman movie. I remember jogging down a lot of notes in my head when I was watching the movie. It's a for all the DC crappy films we had for the last five years. This one, along with Wonder Woman last year, really picked it up. I'm glad Zack Snyder did not direct this film, or else it would have went crappy. If it wasn't the whole, oh, we're going to be very dark again, like it was at Batman vs. Superman. No, it was not like that at all. Very colorful, very fun. The acting was very great in that mo- movie. Follow me on Twitter at JuliaXCaliber and on Instagram at JuliaXCaliber. Subscribe to the rest of the court via Podomatic, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and everywhere you can 
find me and check out my articles on alternativeminds.com which I love doing and I love writing <laughs> awesome Julian thanks so much for the time bro uh, let's hope we have a lot more positives to talk about in 2019